What's going on? It's Tony Coast here. Closing time podcast, talking about sobriety. I'm going to attempt to, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least in terms of sobriety, this is one of the easier things you'll have to do. Yeah, right? I mean, I've gotten through the big struggle of it already, right? Yeah, now it's just telling stories in a basement. I got plenty plenty of that in me. Good. All right, so what are we talking about today? Well, today... As kind of we do, I kind of just want to throw a couple at you because I do I do like kind of mixing up the different types of stories. Yeah, man. One of the things, and this is again from my obviously not really knowing everything about it and not having the same experiences, but one of the things that I've seen and heard from other people that I know, people I know, movies, cliches, right. whatever, is um, people. You know, <laughs> this is a dumb example, but it's the one that always sticks out in me. Uh, there is a. Did you ever see Get Him to the Greek with Russell Brand? Yes. So there was a probably when I was. I think I saw it when I was drinking. Okay. So I don't maybe. It's probably the best him. way to see it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there's a scene in there where his wife or his ex-wife was talking about he was a reformed, you know, addict, whatever, and talk about how he was doing, you know, yoga five hours a day. Okay. He's like, you, she's like, you just replaced it. He's like, right. You can turn anything into your heroin. You overdo everything. Absolutely. So I know you don't. You don't smoke. I don't. I you know to be honest with you, and I hate to admit this, but it's. This is my telling. I have I have been smoking a cig here occasionally. Yeah. Once in a while. Um, it actually kind of started at the beginning of like the quarantine, like when I was at, at the brewery all the time. Yeah. One of the neighbors would come over at the end of every shift and get a couple beers to go, like cr- crawlers of beer, and he'd be like, hey, "Tony, you want to have smoke?" And at first I was like, "No, nah, Teddy, I'm good. I don't smoke, man." Because yeah. I quit smoking when I when I quit drinking, um, and I hadn't smoked up until that point, and. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. I started smoking a cig here and there, and then like I'd have like two or three a shift, like at the end of the night, or I'd step out and smoke a cig with one of the bartenders. Uh, like I don't buy myself packs. Yeah. Like I don't. I'm not like a smoker, but I do occasionally have a cigarette. I fucking hate it though. It's gross. Yeah. Well, I, and that's because I know that uh, people that have you know addictions who do smoke just really just that's kind of the one thing they still kind of give themselves. Yeah. So after everything kind of went down, you know, and you you got sober, right? What was your new? What was your new? I guess you have a lot. You had a lot of energy that went toward, yeah. you know, drinking and, and partying. Well, that has to go somewhere. So right. where did yours go? Well, um, man, I you know I think in early on, you know, that first three, four, or five months, a lot of the energy went into finding the strength to like face the day every day. Sure, you know, like get up and like not beat myself up and not like doubt myself and you know trying to find the confidence and the strength to you know live this life and like to continue to be sober so you know that was pretty consuming and took a lot of energy and a lot of like really you know big thought and energy like i said uh but then you know as i kind of like found my stride and was like all right well this is what i'm doing i'm doing the sober thing what did i dive into i well one of the things, and you know, a lot of people who see me now, uh, it was getting tattooed. Um, I had always, even as a young kid, you know, before tattooing was like everyone, because nowadays everybody fucking has tattoos. But back when I was younger, you know, you know, you didn't see many heavily tattooed people. But when I, I, I always admired it. I always thought it was cool. I thought yeah. it was badass. You know, men or women. You know, I was like, wow, what a cool thing. Like, I wish I could get tattooed. And then, you know, as I got older and was you know had a good job and was making money like i always was like oh yeah i'm gonna get tattooed or like if i got to know a tattoo artist uh, like natalie who owns voodoo monkey she started tattooing mike simon when i worked for him 
And like she would come in in the restaurant. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm going to come in and get tattooed. I can't wait. I have all these cool ideas. But I never followed through on it because I was always fucking drunk and I didn't have any money. But so when I got sober, I was like, you know what? Now's the time. I can do this. I'm going to get tattooed. I've always wanted to be a heavily tattooed person. And now I'm going to do it. So, I mean, you know, some of my buddies, you know, like Ryan Hardwick, he, he's, he'll be the first to tell you. I've gotten more tattoos in the past four years than anybody. I mean, I've covered over half of my body in tattoos because it's something I always wanted to do. So that was one big thing. Like, I really wanted to do that. Um, Did you have any tattoos prior to? I mean, I had a couple. Like, I had, like, a <laughs> from when I was 18, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Adam, uh, my buddy Kevin, we drove down to Miami, Miami of Ohio. Uh, my buddy Adam went to college there, and he had a bunch of tattoos. And uh, from the tattoo shop, I think it was called Panama Reds. It was like you know down the main you know strip of the of the college, and uh, we drove down there one day and got tattooed. I have a eight inch circle, or yeah, this big circle on my back of Japanese kanji. Um, it's from my like raver days. I mean, <laughs> music, rhythm, dance, harmony, contentment, family, friendship, wisdom, and life. You know, real spiritual, meaningful raver kid stuff. Especially um, in Miami, Ohio. Yeah, yeah right. Dude. It was like super <laughs> rad. I mean, I loved it when I got it. I still love it to this day. I I'm going to cover it up. Actually, Chad and I, my, my tattoo artist, um, Black Metal Tattoo, best shop, um, he uh, he and I talked about, like, that's going to be maybe this year we actually may start my a big back piece, and I'm going to cover up all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I mean, I had, like, a couple things. Like, I got this big piece on my upper right arm that I got. You know, I, did, I got that tattoo when I was 18, and then I didn't get tattooed again until I think I was 26. And then I didn't get tattooed again until I got sober. So like, it wasn't as if I had all these tattoos everywhere. When I started getting heavily tattooed, I was 33. Yeah. And now I have, my hands are done, both of my arms, my neck, my chest, my stomach, part of my, most of my right leg and my entire left thigh, um, which is a lot of tattoos. Um, you, what, what was the first one after you got sober? Oh, uh, I think the first tattoo I got when I got sober was my buddy Andre, Andre Burton, who a kid I knew, I've known since I was a, a little raver kid. Um, he was always an amazing artist, and uh, he started tattooing, I don't know, probably like 10 years ago. Uh, and then he moved away, and then he came back. And when I got sober, you know, he was, you know, someone, he's someone that's like been in and out of my life. We've been pals. We were actually roommates for a little while. Um, he, I think he reached out to me the, like shortly after I got sober and we were chatting and I was like, dude, I'd love to come in and get tattooed. And, uh, he did, what did he do? He did this, um, on my inner left, my arm over here on my left arm, I have a, it's a Fox on like a old timey bike in like a hunting jacket. And it's from this show, The Mighty Bouge. So it's this BBC comedy from like the early 2000s. It's these two, two comedians, uh, Noel Fielding and Julian Barrett, I think their names are. This is really popular, like kind of cult following show. Uh, it's like about these two wacky guys in this band called the Mighty Bouge, and they're like wacky antics. But a bunch of my buddies and I had really adopted that show as our own, and like we always do lines of it at work and stuff. And I, uh, it's always it's still a show I love. But I got a t that tattoo. Uh, it's Jerome is the fox's name, <laughs> and he's uh, he was a fancy man li living in Elderberry Forest. There's this whole episode called The Tale of the Crack Fox. And he, it's like this, he goes from being Jerome, this like distinguished fella, to being this like really kind of downtrodden, homeless, crack addicted fox living in London. And I got him tattooed on me. 
and then actually Andre did a couple other Mighty Bouge tattoos for me too. Um, and then after that, man, I kind of hit the ground running. Like then I started kind of like looking at other artists cause I didn't really know anything about tattoo culture. Like I didn't, I didn't understand it the way that I do now. I didn't like really get that. Like you could look into other people and find people's portfolios and search tattoo artists out. I, I don't know why I didn't think that, but I just didn't know. So as I got more like interested in the culture, I started like reaching out to some of the like really like well-known tattoo artists locally and like made appointments with, you know, and tried to get appointments because a lot of tattoo artists, you just can't walk in. They're not someone you can just walk in and go, Hey, I want you to tattoo me. Cause they're booked six, seven months, years out. Some yeah. people. Um, so, you know, I ended up getting an appointment with, uh, with Chad, Chad Lenger, who does the majority of my tattoos, uh, and then Rob Hamilton, who recently he was at Tattoo Faction. He recently moved to DC. He does like really classic, like amazing um, Americana style tattooing. He did my chest and my stomach, and was actually the first person to tattoo me for my like my uh, anniversary of my sobriety. Rob did my the big wolf on my stomach. Rob oh, did. I remember, I remember like that. so funny. Like I I walk in this kind of green person as far as tattoos go. I walk into Tattoo Faction, and I had seen Rob around. Like he and I share a lot of mutual friends, but I didn't know the guy at all. I walk in, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, I want to make an appointment with Rob." I think I had hit him up on, on on his like Instagram and like sent in a mail inquiry, like an email inquiry, and he, you know, I think maybe I think Ryan Hardwick might have mentioned my name to him or something. So I walk in that one day for a consultation, and he's like, "You want to get your stomach tattooed, huh?" He goes, "You don't have a whole lot of tattoos," and I was like, "No." He goes, "And you just want to get a big, huge wolf head on your stomach?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, like I sure do." Yeah, so he drew up this big, huge thing, and now I have this huge, like, awesome, really tough-ass-looking wolf on my stomach. Um, and that kind of, it kind of just, I got it right around the time I celebrated my one-year sobriety. So after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get tattooed every year on my anniversary of my sobriety. And I've done it. Uh, but Chad has done every single one of my tattoos after that. He did my... The tattoo on my right hand, my rose, he did for my second year. He did the big the armored kestrel on my neck for my third year. And then he did the lantern on my hand for my four year, which I actually, I should probably talk to him about what we're going to do for year number five coming up, coming up, dude, September 5th. Very nice. Uh, but yeah, so that, yeah, that was, um, all the tattoos I got for my, you know, sobriety anniversaries. You know, I got, I, I, st I actually traveled a couple times, uh, I found this dude, uh, William Voles. He works in Richmond, Virginia. This really rad guy who actually ended up become, becoming a pretty good friend of mine. Um, I uh, traveled to Richmond four times, and he did all these, like, kind of this whimsical, like, rats and stuff on my right arm. Um, I got an appointment with – I sent an inquiry in and ended up flying out to Richmond, which was really, really cool. But I think after that experience, as awesome as it was, and being able to, like, fall in love with the city through those trips – I don't. I don't foresee myself getting tattooed, like traveling to get tattooed anymore. Yeah, it was just such an endeavor, man. Like going to the airport, and like then I drove, and like your arms all fucked up, and you're in pain, and like and the ones you're doing too, they're not ones you can. I right. Mean, I mean, we're talking like you got to sit there for seven a couple hour hours. sessions. Yeah. Uh, not to mention this, the fact that like this this sleeve on my right arm was four grand. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, so that and that's not including airfare, hotels. Yeah, I can see that. I mean that's it's funny the a lot of things you mentioned like the the uh, the the culture I didn't really know anything until yeah. I actually talked to a tattoo artist I didn't 
I thought some were good and some were bad. Yeah, no, dude, yeah, that's kind of how I was too. I was like, I, I don't really know, and I didn't even really know what was good outside of me like visual, like looking at it and going, ah, that's pretty good. I didn't realize that there was such like a difference between, you know, your run of the mill tattoo artist, an okay tattoo artist, a good tattoo artist, and then like a phenomenal and anything in between. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so tattooing was definitely one of the bigger ones. Uh, also, work. Um, Work was a big one for me, where I focused a lot of my energy. Because I had, sure, I I had somehow managed to piece together a successful, semi-successful career, um, but I, I never really got to acknowledge that my ability as a sober person. I never really got to uh, fulfill that potential and really kind of seize seize what I could be. Uh, uh, what I could be, uh, what am I looking for? What am I, I'm trying to It was say. an actual job. Right. An it, actual it job was... where I was actually proud and could think about it and not yeah. just get by shift to shift with, you know, sneaking a couple shots or like, you know, oh, thank God the shift's over. God, I'm so hungover. Or fuck, I'm trashed already. So It's, it's different definitions of the word job yeah. depending on where you were in life. Yeah. When you were drinking, it was a job in terms of like, it's a job. Like right. every aspect of that was yeah, even if I loved it, it was still yes. Even if I loved more, the place, yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I when I jumped back into work, I worked. I was working like full time at Bomba, and then when I got the opportunity to go work at Terrestrial, I did both for almost two years. I was the general manager of this budding, amazing brewery, which had so much potential and continues to flourish to this day, and still working four or five shifts a week at Bomba, like. It's it, it's funny to to, to to hear you talk about that because right. I know how much you do at terrestrial. Right. To oh. even fathom that you were doing something oh, dude, else I, simultaneously. Monday. So Monday, I would Monday I would go into a meeting at, at the brewery, and that was like my only day off. I would go in for in for the meeting for about two, three, four hours if it needed to be that long, and then I would have Monday off. Tuesday, I worked lunch at the at Bomba, and then I'd go in and close the brewery. Wednesday, I closed at Bomba. Thursday, I worked. Uh, at the brewery. Friday, lunch at Bomba. Friday night, close at the brewery. Saturday, I worked in the more. I worked opening at Terrestrial and then worked into the night. And then I worked a double shift on Sunday. Bomba in the morning and then I closed Terrestrial. And I did that every single week for two years. Now, the guys at the brewery were like, dude, you don't need to do this. That's so much work. Like, they were oh, not bummed out at me. They were thankful, but they were like, dude, you don't need to do that. Like, that's so much. Are you going to be okay? And people at Bomba said it too. Dude, you're going to burn yourself out. Like, that's so much work. But I wanted to. Like, I wanted to seize the day and be like, fuck, man. Like, I can do this. Plus, you know, once I got used to it, it didn't really bother me. Like, I got enough sleep, or at least I felt like I did. I was making a ton of money. You're habitual, like, because I'm kind of the same. Yeah. I think a lot of people once they get into a, once they get into like a groove. Yeah. On the outside looking in, you're like, "How are you doing?" And you're like, "I don't know. I'm just used to doing right. this." Now. And people would say that, "Dude, how are you? Like, are you tired?" And I'd be like, "No, not at all." You know, and it was, it was great. Like, I felt, I felt great about it. I had money in the bank. I was able to buy cool stuff for myself, and honestly, it kind of helped me to, f to kind of get lost in it, so that I didn't have to think about. Shit, dude, I'm gonna drink. Or shit, I'm trying to get sober. Like I just didn't have time because I was constantly working. That was my next question. Like, is it? It was it a? And it may be a, a blend of a couple of things. Like it was a. You all of a sudden have all this energy that was going somewhere else, and you got to get rid of it. Two, maybe just keep you occupied. Right. No, I mean it definitely was the energy energy aspect. Like yeah. I mean, even to this day, I mean I'm 37 years old. I feel better than I did when I was 27. Sure. I mean, because I was fucking hungover as shit, tired. You know, 
smoking yeah. cigs every day, you know, all the time. Like, I feel great now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely this like surge of energy and like feeling fit and eating well. Um, but yeah, it was, I think uh, even if I didn't acknowledge it then, um, I certainly acknowledge it now that it definitely gave me an opportunity to kind of escape from what I was running from. Even if I wasn't really like, oh, I'm running from my addiction. It just allowed me to focus on that. All right, I'm just doing this. I'm a badass dude. I'm working all the time. Like, yeah, let's make some money, you know? A couple years later, though, I realized that it probably wasn't the most healthy thing. I mean, you know, but our society kind of pushes us into that. You know, you should work 60 hours a week. That means you're being, you're a hard worker. And it's like, you don't really need to. Or you're inefficient. You're inefficient (laughs) and you're, you know, you're what your marriage suffers. You don't see your kids. You don't have any time for yourself. Your mental health sucks. You're super depressed. Oh, great. You have, you know, 100K in the bank. I I agree with that, especially in terms of the, uh, the, any job, especially one that you're good at, that you like, there's never going to be a time where every single day, day in, day out, week after week, month yeah. after month, year after year, where you're, at least in the kind of job that you're doing, where everything's just going to go according to plan and you're leaving at the same time every day. Right. You're going to have to go in there early sometimes. You're going to have to go in there late sometimes. You're doing it right now with the new you know, piece that you're doing over right. a terrestrial. But if you're doing that every single day, something's broken in your system at work. Right. No, and, and, and absolutely. And, and like I said, the guys didn't want me to work that much, sure. but we kind of needed it. I mean, you know, Terrestrial was in a place where we were growing. Like, it, I needed to focus you that much. You don't want to take gas if it's growing. Right, yeah, which is yeah. why I ended up taking the step and leaving Bomba. Um, you know, the guys didn't really have anything to do with that. They, I, I offered that to them myself because I, I knew that so when we added La Plaza, I was like, you know, it's, I need to be here all the time, or I need to focus solely on this sure. with what this is going to mean for us. And it was true. You know, I needed to be there, and I wanted to. I, you know, I, thankfully, I was able to do both for a long time because I had two places that were 100% in my corner and were really kind of helping me to hit these strides in my sobriety. You know, I, I, I will forever be thankful for, you know, the people at, at Bamba and for the guys at Terrestrial. I mean, they, they were 100% in my corner. They helped me to, you know, really get my feet back on the ground and, you know, kind of stood with me, even, even if they didn't necessarily some, you know, not everybody communicated it directly, but they were still there. They still heard me out. They still were like, hey, dude, yeah, do this. You know, we're here to help you achieve things. And we all kind of, you know, did what we did at Terrestrial together. So, you know, it, it was it was great to have people in my corner to allow me to do that. But at the same time, like. You know, I, I doubt I could have had done that for very much longer, like working yeah. that much. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so either. But I, I do understand the, especially the initial kind of surge of yeah. just working constantly because you're like, hey man, normally what right. I would be doing at this time was something terrible. Well, exactly, dude. Yeah. You you took the words out of my mouth. I I think a lot of the times when I tried to justify why I was working that much, it was it was because of that reason exactly. Was dude, you spent so much time being fucking wasted all the time and doing nothing you're gonna fucking make up for some lost time and you're gonna bust your ass and and you know i had a lot i had a lot to prove not only to myself and maybe i didn't have have to do this but i felt like an obligation to prove to all the people that had like put their faith in me that looked at me as like hey this guy knows what he's talking about that i ultimately ended up kind of fucking over or letting down with my alcoholism like I wanted to show those people that I was still there and that that guy was there the whole time. He was just fucking drowning in a sea of fernet, chartreuse, wine, and whatever else I could get my hands on. Do you do you ever think about the time that was lost? When you think about what you're um, 
Yeah, man. When, when I you mean, think I, about what you're able to do now. Yeah, of, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I have said it a couple times. You know, if if I hadn't been or allowed myself to spiral out of control as much as I did, or acknowledged where my drinking was taking me, I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe not anymore because the Mike Simon Restaurant Group is kind of non-existent anymore, but. I probably could have still been working for Michael and Liz. Yeah. You know, that company might have still been in a better place. You know, I certainly wouldn't have lost that job had I gotten my alcoholism under control in my early my early mid twenties. Um, you know, and then all the opportunities that I squandered after that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I I think had I had I gotten it under control, I would have been in a different place. But I'm so happy with in the place that I am now. I try not to look back and go, "Fuck, man!" Like, you know, I wish I would have, or God, I regret that. Sure. Do I regret the people that I let down? Yes. Do I regret not acknowledging my full potential, you know, not soon enough? You, sure. But, like, I, I can't look back at this, and I've said this a million times over. I said it to somebody today. I can't I can't let myself be upset about the things that I can't change, and I certainly can't, can't change my past. I have to just be proud of the person that I am now. Ah, it's, I mean, again, not knowing, you know, that kind of path or journey because not going through it i i don't know if there's a better option yeah i mean it, it, it's a i only asked you know the the the, the kind of reminiscing if you will right. question is because i think that i would i think a lot of people would maybe it'd be too hard for them but again maybe after going through it maybe you don't want to think about it as much because well, but there maybe there's well, right i mean dude but there's tons of people you know that that wallow in their that self-pity you know that wallow in that like oh god i was i'm such a mess and they never really forgive themselves i think for me at least one of the biggest parts or one of the biggest things that allows me to have strength in my path and journey in sobriety is being able to forgive my give myself you yeah. know like i at the end of the day sure i hurt a lot of people and i let down a lot of people and i didn't live up to expectations to people but at the end of the day i hurt myself the most I, I disappointed myself the most and like being able to move past that is one of the healthiest steps that i could take you know so sure yeah i mean dude i had some great times sometimes i think about the past and i'm like fuck dude i was a fucking rock star but i was also a fucking mess yeah you know yeah those uh <laughs> Those two words are, are closer to uh, are, are closer than I think a lot of people think. Yeah, uh, rock star can very quickly become mess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and mess a lot is of rock stars are messes. from rock star. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They just get passes because they might they well, write good music. Well, right. They write, right. Or, you just never they, released or an album. mediocre music. Right. <laughs> yeah. They got a lot of money yeah. and they're on TV. You just never really got your album out there. I think yeah. it would have been different. Hey, who knows, man? <laughs> I'm still young. It's uh, it's I don't know. It's always interesting to hear your stories just because. Again, outside looking in, you know, I, I, and that's why I asked about that. Like, what do you, with all the energy, when I, when I go back to the story, and if anyone doesn't know, the, the, the way that this came about was, uh, Tony came on the Guiltless podcast and told us, sure did, a three hour story about yeah, three and a half, three and a half about that, that, that journey, which was, it was equal parts, you know, crazy, funny, scary. Yeah. Ultimately, very uplifting and, and, right. and, and prideful. But it's it's just it's, I still keep coming up with questions and scenarios that I don't think I can. No one's ever going to fully understand outside of you. Even other people that are addicts are going to have different reactions. Oh, absolutely. They're going to do things differently. Well, everybody's sobriety is their own, man. For sure. And I think that that's, you know, ultimately, and maybe my viewpoint on sobriety and addiction is different than other people's. You know, I think 
it is so important that everybody's journey of sobriety is their own. It, it is not the same. You cannot get sober the way somebody else did. Even if it is identical to the way they did it, it is still your own to do. And you have to find your own strength. Sure, rely on your peers, rely on your support circle. That's that's integral to the to the success of it. But if you aren't ready to do it, if you can't give yourself the the credit and acknowledge the strength that you're taking to do it, it doesn't matter. Like you have to find your own way down this path, you know, and that that is something I I can't stress enough, you know. Yeah, and again, I think you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, again, it's it's for a lot of scenarios, everyone's going to react differently. I think this everyone is definitely going to have some similarities. But go about it in a very different way yeah. because they're, like you said, their sobriety is their own. Well, right, their feelings path. are their own. Some things may not work for them. Right, how they're reacting to it, the sadness they have, the depression, the pri- the prideful moments—that is your own. And like being able to acknowledge that and like process it on your own is 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 a very empowering thing. Even if the feelings are sad or depressing, they're also very they strengthen you. You know, I do well. Not to the extent that you well, do, but I, I know mean, exactly what you're own, talking about, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we all do it in in our own different ways for different scenarios. But this is a again, it's you. I, I don't. At first, I was like, I hesitant to say unique because I know a lot of people do struggle with it, yeah. but it is still unique because oh, yours is unique. Everything is unique, and fortunately, I don't know too many people that have gone through it. But I mean, yours is still something that it still sits with me a lot, well, just thanks, from man. stories I mean, because of. Uh, like even when I uh, uh, um, have brought you up to other people, just right. in passing, you know, like oh this, oh this was a favorite one of mine because of, and that's how I describe it is right. the uh, is that it's crazy, funny, scary, <laughs> and uplifting all at the same time, huh. and it's it's just it's it's sounds like listening the Spice Girls. to it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's a some of it was hard to listen to, and at the same time. It's something I couldn't stop listening to. Well, thanks, man. I mean, so, I and thank you for giving me the platform to be able to do it, man. Like, oh, for I, sure, man. This is you know, this is your platform for sure. I mean, that's a, uh, it's it's again. These are great stories. I have a ton more questions well, about dude, other things listen, that we're going to keep doing. So. Any, for anybody that's heard me on the first one on Guiltless or we'll start listening to these, one thing that you'll never be able to take away from me is I can sit here and I can talk for hours, especially if you give me enough coffee or Red Bull. Well, we definitely have coffee. We definitely have Red Bull. And you definitely have the time and the stories to actually tell yeah. us. So, and I'm glad you're here to actually do it, too. Well, so. thanks, man. I appreciate and I'm glad it. that you found other... Uh, Addictions, if you will, to kind of fill your hey, time. Man, and they're good ones. I'll get tattooed and work till the end of my days. It's not going to do it with while I'm drinking. There. Good. Well, that's it for this one, man. Thanks cool. again. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I'm 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 s